Well, Crossing, I wanted to uh, take this opportunity. Over the last couple of weeks, I had quite a few different people uh, ask me, like, hey, now that you're the lead pastor, what's, what's going to change? What's going to happen? And so I was like, you know what? First sermon, I'm just going to start off right off the bat, be completely open and honest with you all, and I'm going to list out some changes. So if you're one who does not like change, brace yourself. But I'm going to just, I wanted to be open and honest with you and transparent. And so first thing that'll change, the lead pastor will no longer be wearing Wranglers every week. (laughs) No, not going to happen. Nobody wants to see that just the same way we don't want to see Eric in skinny jeans. We don't want to see it. I mean, it's one of those things that you're like, I want to see it, but I don't want to see it. You know, that's, that's what it is. And so that's change number one happening now. That, that will just from here on out, eh. Probably not going to happen. I'm sorry. I know. I know. You were looking forward to it. I know. See? I knew it. Second thing that's going to change. The official dessert of the crossing will no longer be anything lemon. It will be pumpkin pie or anything pumpkin flavored. Can I get an amen? Thank you. I am pretty sure that the fruit that Adam and Eve ate was a lemon, and we don't want to go anywhere near that. Nope, not doing that. And then finally, the last thing that's going to change, effective immediately, we at The Crossing, we are actually going to have a new mission statement. And the new mission statement is going to be no, I'm just kidding. Some of you guys were all like, oh, no, he's changing things now. Like the first ones now. We're not changing the mission statement. My goodness. But really, like I know what, what people meant and, and when they were asking those questions. I know uh, that they weren't asking about, you know, my wardrobe or my favorite dessert or anything like that, which is pumpkin pie in case you were wondering. But, you know, I know that that's not what people were wondering. Those weren't the changes they were talking about. But really... The people that asked those questions, they had good intentions, completely good intentions, and, 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 and they come from a good heart. Because any time that change or the unknown kind of plays a role in our lives, it's easy to begin to wonder, you know, how is this going to work? You know, what's going to be different? And when the unknown comes into play, there's always a little bit of anxiety or nervousness that comes along with it. And I completely get that. I completely get that and I understand that. And if you're here this morning and maybe you're a little uneasy, maybe you're not sure what 2024 is going to bring, maybe you're unsure of your financial situation trying to figure out how you're going to end the year in the green instead of the red, maybe you're unsure of what this election year is going to bring and you kind of shudder when you think about the last one that we had and you're like, oh, I don't want to go through that again. Or maybe you're not quite sure what to expect or what this red-bearded guy is going to do as the lead pastor of the crossing. You're not alone. That's right. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you're in that spot and you're maybe a little uneasy, you aren't alone. We all have times in our lives where we aren't really sure what the future is going to bring. And it makes us just a little uneasy and even a little bit timid about how we're going to move forward with things and the steps that we're going to take. And it brings this weight of like anxiety. 
and anxiousness. And we carry this anxiety and worry with us and we just sort of drag it along. And all the decisions that we make are based off of this weight that we're carrying and we're just a little uneasy. And and the weight that we're carrying, it turns out to be the weight of the unknown. And it can paralyze people. It can cause people to just shut down and just sit there until things are figured out by someone else, and then they'll get picked up, and then they can move on. Or other people, it can cause them to just push on and do everything in their power, regardless of what it is. They're going to do what they can to try and figure it out and make it on their own. And, And in the meantime, they end up hurting the relationships of those that they love. Because they'll, they'll work longer hours and they'll have this anxiety and they'll have all this stuff that they're carrying around and this worry and this fear of the unknown that they begin to kind of hold it inside and it seeps out of them through anger and through frustration and all these things. And they're just trying to figure it out, but it ends up when they're pressing through, they're just hurting the people that they love around them. See, when we don't know where we're going or how we're going to get there, or what change is going to bring, or maybe what the test results are going to say on the next week, or how we're going to make it financially. I'll be honest, I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous or anxious about my new role here at The Crossing. The unknown impacts every single one of us. And the question is, what are you going to do and how are you going to respond when there's an unknown in your life? How can we continue to move forward when we aren't even sure of what lies ahead? Now, there's going to be some things talked about today that can definitely be applied to us as individuals and in our own personal lives. But this message, this overall message, the goal is for the church. This is for the church. And so really the question is, how can we, the church, continue to move forward when we aren't sure what lies ahead? And you know, Jesus' disciples, they actually experienced a similar feeling, except probably to a greater extent than what many of us feel. I mean, just, just picture this with me for a second. You're fishing one day, and this man walks up to you and he says, hey, follow me. And you don't really know why, but you're like, I think I should follow him. So you lay down all your stuff and you get up and you follow him. And you get taken on this crazy journey over the course of three-ish years where you see him perform miracles, you see him heal people, you see him walk on water, you see him give sight to the blind. Like I said, that's crazy. There's some crazy stuff going on. And he, he shared so much wisdom with you and he's taught you and he's poured into you. He's even let you teach and share some with others. And, and this man that you're following, he has literally taken the world by storm and has flipped everything upside down. All of the religious oppression, those who were in power, the hurting, the needy, the sick, he's shown up and you have watched him change it all in a way that has never been done before. But one night, you're sitting with this man and 11 others that he's called to follow him, 
And these are, this is a group of guys that like, you've, you've gone to hell and back with these guys. This is your brotherhood. This is your group that you have gone through life or death situations with. You guys are bonded together. You are so close. And this one guy, the leader of your group, he's the one that went around and asked you all to follow him. He brought the group together. He's trained you. He's taught you. He's poured his life out into you. He's even used you in some of his miracles. And you all sit down for, for dinner together. And he says, I'm going to die. Whoa. He says, one of you is going to betray me. And I'm going to be flogged. And I'm going to be crucified and die. But then, after three days, I'm going to come back to life. And you're sitting there thinking like, whoa. Whoa. Okay, I've seen him do some crazy things before, but to die and bring himself back to life? I mean, really, that's, that's pretty far out there. And then he goes and gets arrested and then beaten and then crucified, and he dies up on the cross. And those three days, you're sitting there like, well, I really hope he was right but you aren't quite sure, and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And you're obviously a little skeptical, otherwise you probably would have been waiting right by the tomb or somewhere close so you could see the stone rolled away, and you would know for a fact that, you know, he was telling the truth, and and you're just kind of waiting. You haven't given up all hope, but you're like, "Ah, I don't really know if he can do this, until one day you hear that he has risen from the grave. And you're like, yes, we got this now. Like, this is, this is awesome. Jesus is back just as he said that he would be. And it turns out the last three years of my life, they weren't a waste. I thought for a second, because, you know, he was dead and all, but he came back to life. So I know it wasn't a waste. I'm on fire. He's on fire. Like, let's do this. And then to top it off, the man himself appears to you and 10 others of those men that he had called. And and you finally see him, and you lock eyes, you make eye contact, and you give him this huge hug, and you're like, Jesus, yes, I knew it was you. And you just feel this excitement and this joy, because you're like, all right, here we go. And then Jesus says, you know what? This group of guys right here, I'm going to send you out on a mission. And you're like, I've already seen three years of you changing the world, and it's awesome. And now you go ahead and die and come back to life. And now you're going to say, you're sending us out on a mission. Let's go. Let's get this thing rolling. This is awesome. And one of the guys that you're with, he's a little skeptical. And so Jesus says, hey, just come and touch the wound in my hand, in my side, in my feet. And you watch as flesh touches flesh. And you're like, that is Jesus. I knew it. I knew that he came back to life. And then, then you get told, hey, go up to the mountain in Galilee. And Jesus himself is going to meet you there. And you're fired up. You're like, yes, I can't wait for this. This is where it's all going to start from. And we're going to continue. And we're going to keep this thing rolling. We're going to get this thing going. And you're, you're fired up. You're ready to run through a brick wall. Like, you're all pumped up. You're like, yes, we're going to do this. And you get to the mountain with your 10 other brothers. And you see Jesus. He's standing right there, just like you said. And you're like, Jesus, yes. You walk up. You give him this huge hug. And you're just embracing him. And you're like, I'm so glad. And I'm so excited to 
to like continue this ministry and continue to keep these things going. And Jesus is like, all right, can I have you guys sit down for a second? And Jesus sits you all down and he says this, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. These new disciples, teach them to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And you're like, yes, we're going to keep this going. We're going to keep this going. He's going to use us to go out and make all these disciples. And guess what? Guess what? He is with us always. There's no more dying and coming back to life and waiting to see if he's going to rise back from the dead, like he said. He is with us always. We're going to go from town to town teaching others to follow him just like he taught us. And we're going to see more miracles and more lives changed. We're going to get to witness and see an entire world flipped upside down from what it was. And all of these religious oppression, all of these things, they're going to end because we are with Jesus and he's going to use us to do this. And greater yet, he just told us he will be with us always. I mean, what a high, right? Can you imagine being one of the disciples and witnessing those things over three years? And then Jesus dies, comes back to life, and then says, we're going to keep this going. You're like, yes, I am ready for this. I mean, the excitement they were all feeling, the momentum that they had in that moment. And that momentum, it's, it's similar to something that we can all experience. It's like maybe you finally locked in your business plan and you finally, after putting in all these hours, you open the doors and the customers start rolling in and you're like, yes, this is what I've been working towards. Maybe you and your spouse are in a really good place relationally and things just feel like they're going super well. Maybe you've been putting in some extra hours at work and your boss notices and says, hey, we're going to give you a promotion because I like the way that you work. And you just get kind of excited and you're like, yes, I can, I can keep this going. Maybe you're, you're finally in the best shape of your life and you actually like the way that you look for the first time since high school. I mean, that's some momentum. If you've experienced that, that's some momentum. That's some excitement. Maybe it's even you start a second campus in Cozad, Nebraska, of all places, and, and people start coming and coming and coming and people are being baptized and people are being saved. And it's just like, this is amazing. But then the other shoe drops. The customers all of a sudden quit coming in and you can't afford your bills. Your spouse out of what appears to be nowhere all of a sudden files for divorce. You get this promotion at work, but now you feel way too much pressure. And so you try and put in extra hours at work, and it's not really doing good for your mental health, and you're still behind at work, and your boss starts to take notice. Maybe you go in for your normal checkup, and you hear the words from your doctor, come and see me first thing in the morning. Maybe your lead pastor puts in his resignation. It's the unknown. The anxiety, the fear, the worry. And you're left with the thoughts of, how is this going to work? What am I going to do now? What's going to happen? This isn't what I expected or what I had planned. 
You know, for the, for the disciples, it wasn't a diagnosis or a lack of people, though. Right after Matthew 28, in the story of Jesus, chronologically, it actually goes to Acts chapter 1. And so it says here, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised, as I told you before, which don't forget that part. We're going to come back to that. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were, uh, were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? I mean, they're still amped up. They're still fired up. They're like, yes, Jesus is with us. We're on a roll. We're going to do this. Hey, is it time for you to do this yet? And, and he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you're like, let's go. That's what you already told us. You said we were going to go and make disciples and baptize people. And now you're going to say, hey, we're going to go to all the earth. Like, I'm fired up. I'm ready for this. This is awesome. And they're still fired up. They have all of this momentum. And then after saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. And you've got to think that some of those disciples were like, okay, that was cool and all, but Where'd he go? Where, where is he? Like, didn't he just the other day say, I will be with you always? Didn't he just say that? Like, I swear, you wrote that down, right, John? Like, I, I know that's in, he said that. He said, I will be with you always, but uh, he just went up there and I can't go up there. What do we do now? I mean, when Jesus was here physically with us, like, he was telling us these things to do, and, and like, it just made sense. Like, he would stand and preach, and we would go and minister to people, and like, we were like the perfect team working together. And, and then he says, hey, we're going to keep this going. We're going to take this to the world. We're going to continue to share it, and we're going to use you to do it, and we're going to do all of this, and oh, yeah, I'm going to be with you always, and then poof, he's gone. And all he said was, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that he's commanded. If you were in the position of one of his disciples at that moment, what would you have felt? Really, think about that. What would you have felt? You've gone through three years of a life-changing journey with this man. You have seen him change things and heal people and do things that no one else can do. You saw him predict his death, burial, and resurrection and pull it off. And then he says, we're going to keep this rolling. And then he leaves. 
What do you feel in that moment? It's the unknown. It's the worry. It's the fear of, well, how is this going to work out now? What are we supposed to do? Jesus was the one who led us and, and taught us how to do these things. What now? What would you have done? When that point hits and you're at a complete loss for words because everything that you thought, everything that you envisioned is all of a sudden not going to happen. What would you have done? What do you do when you find yourself in that position? Or better yet, how do you respond when your life gets turned upside down? How do you respond? Well, the good news is we're here today gathered as a church body, which means the 11 that were there, they figured something out. Hallelujah. It continues on in this story. It says, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem, which what did Jesus tell them to do right before he ascended? Return to Jerusalem, okay? So they listened to Jesus. It said, return to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which was about half a mile. And when they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So they did what Jesus told them to do. Remember, just before Jesus ascended, he said, go back to Jerusalem. So they did that. They followed his instructions. But then they also continued to meet together and pray with one another, and they met with one another, and they prayed with one another, and they were united together. And then a few days later, the Holy Spirit was given to them, just like Jesus said it was going to happen. And while the crowd was being amazed and questioned and, and thinking that the apostles were just drunk and babbling on, one of the apostles remembered what Jesus told them to do, and he steps forward. And Peter boldly proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he began to teach them about the man that he had spent three years of his life with. And look at this in Acts 2.41. It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. What did Jesus tell them to do? Go and make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. And the Bible says that the apostles taught them, and then they preached the gospel, and then they baptized, and then they taught, 
And the numbers kept growing and growing, and they preached, and they baptized, and they taught, and they faced opposition in situations that were unknown, which is all over in the book of Acts. They were persecuted. They were imprisoned. They were kicked out of towns, all of these things, but they didn't stop. Whether they were persecuted, imprisoned, cast out, it didn't matter. They did what Jesus said. And then when they faced unknown and chaos again and again and again, they continued to do what Jesus told them to do. They stayed on mission. Despite the unknown, despite the uncertainty, despite the persecution that was coming at them, despite it not being what they envisioned, because I can guarantee you, when Jesus said, I will be with you always, this is not what the disciples envisioned. They thought, Jesus will be here always. So even though it wasn't what they envisioned, they kept going. They didn't begin to doubt and look inward and say, well, this isn't exactly what I signed up for or thought that I was going to do or thought what Jesus was going to do. I thought Jesus was going to be like physically right here with me. They, they didn't sit around and go, you know, I'm tired of getting thrown in prisons for doing what Jesus told us to do. They didn't meet together and have these pity parties and talk about how life was treating them unfairly, even though they were doing what Jesus said to do. They didn't become so focused on themselves and their comfort. They didn't try to make it about themselves. It made them uncomfortable or it wasn't what they wanted. They didn't sit there and do that. They realized that what was happening was so much greater than themselves. That this group of people that was rapidly growing, it wasn't existing because of them or for them, but it existed for the rest of the world. That when Jesus told them, go and preach the gospel to all nations, he meant all nations. This is something so much bigger than me. This is the world. This isn't about you. It isn't about the 11 of you that were with me in person. This is about seeing a world transformed. This movement, it didn't exist for them. It didn't exist for them. It existed for the world. And that same movement is alive and well today. Do you know what it's called? The church. The church. And the church, it doesn't exist for you. It doesn't exist for me. It exists for the world. And we are here today as a church body because in the midst of uncertainty and unknown, 11 men did the very thing that we need to do in the midst of uncertainty and unknown. We need to press on with the mission that was given by Christ. And here's the thing that I want to make sure everybody here understands. The mission of the Crossing Fellowship was not established by Eric Most. The mission of the Crossing Fellowship was not established by the leadership team or the staff. The mission of the Crossing Fellowship was established by Jesus Christ over 2,000 years ago when he came to earth as being raised, living a perfect, sinless life, walking this earth, performing miracles and signs and wonders that proved that he is the Son of God fulfilling thousands of prophecies or hundreds of prophecies, predicting his own death, burial, and resurrection and pulling it off, and then offering up his own sinless, blameless, spotless life to pay for the punishment of your sins and my sins. 
He was crucified on a cross even though out of all of humanity, he was the only one that did not deserve to do so. He still gave up his life. He was wrapped and buried in a sealed tomb and he came back to life three days later and revealed himself to many of his followers. And after all of that, he said, go and tell the world what I have done for them. And that was the mission that was established over 2,000 years ago that we still cling to today. And I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what the future holds. There are unknowns and things that we can sit and worry about and let consume our our time and our resources and our energy. I I don't know what the future holds. But I do know that God put us on a mission. And even if we have no idea what may come tomorrow, if we are faithful to continue on the mission that was established by the one who predicted his own death, burial, and resurrection, then I know that everything's going to be okay. See, when we live on mission to see people meet, follow, and love Jesus, we cannot fail. Let me say that again. When we live on mission to see people meet, follow, and love Jesus, when that is our life, when that is our heartbeat, when that is the reason we wake up every single morning, when that is why we exist as a church is to see people meet, follow, and love Jesus, we cannot fail. We can't fail. Failure only comes when you deviate from that mission. But keep in mind, it did not happen the way the disciples thought it was going to happen. They were still persecuted. They still had hardships. They were still outcasts. They were still imprisoned. Many of them died a martyr's death because this was their life. Doesn't sound like a happy ending. Bad things still happened to them. Jesus even told them before he ascended in John 16, he said, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me because here on earth, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And crossing, it's not going to be easy. We may have no idea what tomorrow holds for us. But this church, this local church that that started 17 or 18 years ago with just a handful of people, has always been and will continue to be on mission to see people meet, follow, and love Jesus. It may not be how we envision it. We never envisioned a campus in Cozad, Nebraska. You want to know what Eric was thinking? Lexington. Because Kozad's too close. You know, people can just drive. It's at 9.6 miles. It's even less than that because we're on the outskirts of town. People can handle that. We had no idea what God had planned. It wasn't what we envisioned. It may not be our preference. What we do here on Sunday morning, I know it's not a lot of people's preference. It may not be our style. What we do on Sunday morning, I know it's not a lot of people's style. Like I said, I'm not wearing Wranglers. Sorry. 
But if we as individuals can come together, lay aside our personal preferences, our our concerns, our fears, our styles, or how we want things to happen or be done, if we come together and realize that this is so much bigger than you or I, this is about a life-saving message for the entire world, and that no matter what comes our way, we predecide that we will not deviate from the mission to see people meet, follow, and love Jesus. If we do that crossing, if you do that, if I do that, your family is never going to be the same. Your work and your coworkers are never going to be the same. Your friend group is never going to be the same. Your town will never be the same. Your work will never be the same. Your state will never be the same. Your world will never be the same. And guess what? Your life will never be the same. Crossing, things change. People come, people go. And there's uncertainty and unknown with every step that we take and that we face. But the mission remains the same. And we exist to see people meet, follow, and love Jesus. That's who we have been. That's who we are. And that's who we're going to continue to be. And if that's our heart, to be on mission to see people meet, follow, and love Jesus, if that is why we wake up every morning, if that is why we exist, we can't fail. Because that mission was established by Jesus Christ. And there is no greater mission for us to live on. So if you were wondering, hey, what changes are going to happen? How's the crossing going to be different? The crossing is going to continue on mission to see people meet, follow, and love Jesus. Yeah, some things might change. But everything that we do, every decision that we make is filtered through the lens of, will this help us achieve the mission? And if it won't, we don't do it. So crossing, let's live that way. Not just as a church, as individuals, but like in our own personal lives. Let's live on mission, despite the uncertainty, despite the unknown, despite the things that maybe we wish were different or we aren't really sure how it's going to work or how it's going to come through. Trust that when Jesus established that, He knew what we were going to face, and he still chose to give us that mission. So let's go. Let's change this world. Let's change Gothenburg. Let's change the town. Let's change the places that we live in. Let's change our family tree and the line that, 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 that we've been trying so hard to not fall into and do the same thing our parents and our grandparents and our great grandparents did. That can change. If we live on mission to see people meet, follow, and love Jesus, so let's do that crossing. Would you please pray with me? Dear God, just thank you so much that you knew 
everything that we were going to face, and you still established that. You still said, I still want you to go. I still want to use you to reach others, to see lives changed, to make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them to obey what I have commanded. And God, thank you for giving us a purpose. I pray that you would just help us, help us as a church to truly let this be our heartbeat, to truly let this be everything that we do to see people come to know you, God, and fall in love with you. We thank you so much for loving us. We just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.